Hey everyone, welcome to No Ride Around. Um, we are recording via Skype today, um, kind of out of necessity. This whole COVID-19 thing has us a little bit locked down. And so uh, we decided that it was better to get you guys some content, even if it wasn't perfect content, uh, than to get you no content at all. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, Harley bought these fancy pants microphones, and I feel like I'm in the... Uh, what was that Minority Report? You know that movie Minority Report had all those little tiny little balls that like kind of follow the people around? I think that's what it was. Uh, this is what it feels like. It's like a futuristic movie. Yeah. And I don't think that's unlike what's going on right now. It feels a little bit like a weird future sci-fi movie. Yeah, I don't want to spend too much time on it because that's a bummer. And we talked yeah. about fun stuff on this podcast. Um, but I did just find well, out that bike shops are considered non-essential under the stay-at-home order that just got issued in Denver today. So non-essential. Non-essential. Oh, five, so. five o'clock on Tuesday. What day is that going to be? Uh, March 24th. Yeah. We are not allowed to be at the bike shop doing bike shop things. That pretty much says if you're anything like myself and you uh, you like to tear tires apart, you better go stock up. Yeah. Except uh, we really probably shouldn't be outside riding bikes. But you're right, man. We got enough of that bummed out situation to talk about maybe in upcoming episodes. But let's talk about some fun stuff because we have had – there's some fun stuff that's been had already this year. For sure. I mean, we uh, – you had a couple of cool events um, on your own. And then we had our inaugural ride that everybody heard about on the last episode. Um, so what were, your, what were your two events at – in my brain yeah. space, I know what they they are, but I don't know what they are right now. Yeah, no, no doubt. So, yeah, we're gonna we definitely need to cover Aged Fellow Winter because that was awesome. What a turnout! Um, but prior to that, I had the 24 hours uh, in the Old Pueblo, so one of the longest running 24 hour events in mountain biking, which was amazing down in Tucson. And then I had a True Grit Epic just last weekend, uh, which was a lot of fun too, and that was down in St. George, Utah. So a couple of big events back-to-back -back, um, this year already. And uh, one was on the calendar and one was not, right? Or were they both? Yeah. Neither of them were really on the no, calendar. No, no. Neither <laughs> were on the calendar. Both just came out of left field. And and that's kind of interesting because even the athletes that I coach, I talk about this all the time. Like We have our own plan. I think a lot of us, we all have the tendency to get beat up when we see what other people are doing. I, I do it on Strava all the time. Right. I'll see somebody launched a 80 mile road ride. And I'm like, I'm training completely wrong because I did a 20, 20 mile indoor session or something. So <laughs> uh, I always say, don't get don't get uh, thrown off your plan. And then I go and break all my own rules. So Victor, uh, who we had talked about in Laruda last year, 2019 Laruda, Victor reaches out to me and he goes, hey, man, uh, I got a last minute spot for 24 hours in the old Pueblo. I got a four-man team. Do you want to race? And I didn't even think twice. I just said, yes, absolutely. And I think, actually, Harley, you and I have been on a pretty serious conversation chain about how you need to focus on work, how to put my head down, <laughs> can't take these wild, wild adventures off in the desert. And then one phone call undermines everything. And uh, I say, yeah, Victor, I'm all the way in. So on a Thursday night, 
at like 7.30 p.m. after I finished work uh, training the mountain bike camp. I got into a car with uh, another couple of people, and we drove through the night to Tucson. Yeah. I think the text message was, well, there goes responsible business owner, Justin. That was, <laughs> that was the direct quote. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and I think your response was nothing but laughter, uh, typed out I laughter. Mean, I mean, basically, it was nobody. I wasn't even a little bit surprised. Um, um, so, yeah. And so, not, in a neg- not in a negative way. No, yeah, no, no. But I was uh, so so yeah. So we get we get in the car on a Thursday night. Now the team was pretty stacked. So you had Victor, who's super strong rider. We had uh, another guy, Steve, super strong rider as well. They're they're both on that race co team, um, which oddly enough, circling back at HFL winter, their bike shop came and kind of was part of our event, which was cool. Yeah. So um, kind of cool loop closed on that one. But then there was this guy, Rob and Rob is in my phone as single speed, Rob. Uh, he's also the guy that beat me at Leadville. So I got, you know, we talked about how I got second at Leadville last year. I was super excited. Um, and he got first. So to say this team, this team was stacked is a bit of an understatement. So we went out to Tucson thinking we're going to win this thing. That was the plan. Right. But, uh, there were 120 other four man teams that probably had the same plan. And they all showed 24, up also. 24 Hours of Pueblo is like a fairly storied event. Like, I mean, it's, it, it's, I don't think anybody who's been to Leadville or even a local race, I don't think even really processed the, the scope and the scale of, of what Old Pueblo is like. Um, I mean, yes. it's a city, right? Like if they set up a city in the middle of the desert. Dude, you know, and I had like I had looked online and, and paid attention to what was going on, and I and I thought that I was prepared. I knew I knew what we were walking into. I had no idea, dude. It is all the way crazy. So you're right. Leadville is a big event. How many racers do a Leadville on a normal year? Twenty two hundred, I think. Yeah, I think it's twenty two or twenty four. Yeah, yeah. So this event has four thousand people. Um, now that's not all racers. Right. But there's 4,000 4, people that comprise the city, the race teams, the support teams, the volunteers. I mean, it's a massive event. And so, you know, the, there was a bunch of information leading up to the race that we had gotten sent as a team. You know, like how to secure your sites, when to secure your sites, what, you know, what to expect, what to bring. You're like you're in the middle of the desert. So bring all your own water that you're going to need. And all of that information aside, when we rolled into that old Pueblo into 24 hour town, as they call it, 24 hour town, dude, there are streets, there are street signs, there's neighborhoods. There are, I mean, it's massive, like absolutely massive. I would say it's the burning man of mountain biking is, is really what I think it boils down to the yeah. burning man of mountain biking. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. And then there's, there is a, there's a, a, a very, like photographed uh, famous part of the trail, which is the big rock roll in. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the there's old, a huge much like heckling spot too, right? Oh, let me tell you about the heckling. <laughs> so uh, there are certain words as a guy growing up as a boy, rather growing up in Iowa that we used flippantly. Like we just tossed these words out everywhere because the vanilla cookie town I grew up in, uh, you kind of got away with saying what you wanted. And 
as a as a as a wizened man, I wouldn't say those things now. Well, let me tell you, at that rock, that heckling, it devolved real quickly to like early 1990s, and people got slammed. Like if you didn't do cool stuff off the off the rock drop, you were going to hear about it, and uh, it it made it pretty funny. Um, it was actually really funny. So yeah, there's that one rock feature in. There are people there day and night. And just to bring it into context for those of you that maybe aren't familiar, the 24 hours in the old pub was a 16-mile loop. And at the end of the 16-mile loop is a transition tent. And in that transition tent, you uh, it's all digitally timed, but uh, it wasn't always digitally timed. And they've kept it their original way as well as using modern tools. And so you roll through. Uh, and it and it picks up your timing, and then you have to pass off your little baton, this little wooden baton, uh, and that marks off the next one. So you cruise kind of through it. And uh, anyhow, you know, I talked about that briefly when we had Daryl on, but um, prior to that tent is where the rock drop is, and so you get all the luxury of people that aren't there to race. I mean, they're there to drink, they're there to party, Just they're there party. to eat, you know. And so as they get further into their coolers the heckling gets a little deeper and then you get into nighttime and there's people still out there with spotlights and music and fires. <laughs> and they're just, I mean, they're lighting you up, which was cool for me because, you know, I do this XC race nerd thing, but, uh, at my heart, I like to jib and jump. And so I had a blast off that rock every time. Yeah. You posted a couple of videos on our Instagram of you, uh, getting a little, little styly off of some of the, uh, the features, uh, I think rolling through the finish area too, that one that, that huck to flat off of that one rock you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Full on huck, <laughs> full on huck to flat. Good thing I have Kushcore. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they, uh, yeah, they, they make it fun for you there. And you know, this is this year. I think was the twenty first year. So twenty one years in a row, this thing's been rolling steady, and it pulls out all the big names. You know, being basically the only race in February, and and this big of an event, it pulls out. Just some massive, massive names, like top, top pros, people who, you know, this is what they do for a living. And so yeah. it brings a, a really pro atmosphere to the whole event. Yeah. So you had an expectation of going in. Like you you told me when you when you signed up, you told me when you left, you're like, we're gonna go win. Yeah. Well um, when you're blowing did... when you're blowing work off because you say, hey, uh, you know, I need to be, I need to be responsible, Justin. And then you get a phone call. I say, screw that. You can't do that just for a fun old ride in the desert. Like you got to go down there with a mission, you know? Um, and I thought winning, winning was the case. I just didn't know what type of, I mean, I had done research on what previous times were. So I had an expectation of what we were going to do, but dude, then I got there and you start to see the caliber of riding and you go, okay. Was, uh, was it Todd Wells that was there? Yeah. So, uh, it was, his team chasing us. So uh, some of the most impressive people were the, a lot of the solo guys. So there were some pretty crazy solo riders. Um, Ladine, uh, Taylor Ladine was there. Um, uh, who, who else? Who actually beat him? The guy here out of the guy here out of, uh, Colorado lives in Fairplay. Josh Tostada. He races for Santa Cruz, you know, and that's what he does full time. Uh, they're there doing the solo and just getting after each other. So the top four solo field guys, those were, they were really impressive. I think those guys have all competed on the world stage in 24 hour races. Right. 
Um, so let's go into the race. I mean, how, how did, how did it go for you guys? I mean, that's a, you got a stack team. You got all the right guys racing with you. Um, found out from the age fellow winner event that Victor is in fact a total hammer, uh, total hammer. <laughs> like blown away. Uh, and the nicest guy, like super, super polite. Um, so you got the yes. right team, yep. you got the right gear. And uh, how, do, how does the race break down? I mean, we were watching via the website and uh, keeping track uh, of, of all the, the lap times and kind of where you guys were and watched you bounce up and down the, uh, the leaderboard there. Um, but yeah, yeah like, so feel we, that we back had, a little bit. Like I could only yeah. watch times. I'm sure it was way more interesting than, and uh, eventful than just watching times go by on a, on a time tracker. Yeah, it was, uh, it ended up being a pretty eventful deal. So, um, just a spoiler alert. We, there were 120 teams and, uh, to do the race, you can't finish before the 24 hours are up. Right. So you have to, uh, you have to ride a full 24 hours, meaning, uh, it started at, I believe noon, high noon, actually it started at high noon. And then you have to ride until Sunday at noon and you can't quit at like 1130 in the morning, right? You have to ride it through. So you had to be Which smart. Is a little bit different. That's a little bit right. different than like, um, like your son, that when you did sun up to sundown last year, like you knew you had the lead you needed. So you, rather than going out for another lap, you just stopped. Yeah. You just quit early. You kind of logged in your laps and this race wants to ensure that, no, if you sign up to ride for 24 hours, you're riding for 24 hours. And if you don't, you get a DNF, which is pretty interesting because if you go to the race results, there are quite a bit of teams that DNF'd that had a lot of laps. Like for instance, there's a, the team that did actually include Todd Wells. He brought a team uh, called Presta Coffee. So they're all racing for Shimano as their sponsor. And, uh, their team was right behind our team. And when it was impossible for them to catch us on the final lap or two, they, uh, they called it. So they finished their, what would have been their last, their last lap, their 19th lap. They finished at 1138 in the morning and we were already around on our 20th lap or coming close to it. And so they couldn't, they couldn't catch us. And so they just quit. So they show in the race results actually as a DNF, which is um, brutal so, to race all that time. And yeah. then the DNF, that's so brutal. But, you know, they it's kind of how it works, right? Because they knew, eh, well, there's really no point. So, yeah, they make you race full 24 hours. And, again, we thought we were going to win. Uh, so I'll just spoil it, give those people that you may maybe cut out listening to this episode early, which I wouldn't because it's going to be fun. Uh, we got fifth place out of 120 teams. And this is a five-team podium. So that was a podium finish for us. Uh, we finished with 20 laps. So, you know, you figure 20 laps, we're rolling 16-mile laps. You got a lot of riding. I mean, that is a lot of riding. It's a shitload so, of laps. That's a lot of miles. What was it? What was it? 13 miles? 16 miles a lap. Woo! Yeah, 16-mile 16, 16 laps, and, and we did 20. So we did 320 miles in 24 hours between the four of us. And going into this, I figured, all right, if we do 24 laps, we're going to win. The team that won our division, the four-man open, four-person man open, did 23 laps, and they were also the most – that's the most laps of the entire race. So the four-man team was the most – we did the most mileage. Um, 
they're the top four, you know, is the top performing teams in the whole event. And so we were in the, we were in the thick of it. We were in the, we were in the hot category mm-hmm. and, uh, and hot it was. So the race starts off pretty cool. Uh, at noon on Saturday, they do a, a shotgun blast and then you haul the mail uh, on a Le Mans start. And it's about a third mile run, I'd say maybe a, not quite a half mile, about a third mile run. And everyone's just tearing off in your carbon sole shoes and just full on sprint. Right. So, so for anybody that doesn't know, a Le Mans style start is you stage your bikes, right? Like before everything goes off, you go and you, you set your bike down in a designated area and then they walk you back. And when the gun goes off, instead of pedaling your bike, you have to run like an idiot in tights and ballerina shoes to your bike. Right. And then, and then get on that bike and now your heart rate's in your throat and, uh, your heart rate's in your throat and, and you're, you're jumping onto this now mountain bike race and it's full gas sprinting on the bike. But I was determined because most of the course is single track. So, uh, we drove there on Thursday night through the night. We got there Friday morning and then friday afternoon about four o'clock we as a team rode the whole course so we knew what the course was and i knew most of it's single track and when you're trying to pass it's desert cactus everywhere which is actually kind of part of the event uh, it's notorious for these cactus that are jumping cactus um they literally if you get close to them like jump out and get you and so you, you don't have a lot of opportunity to to pass and so you've got to you got to go right and um the chain fruit choya the choya cactus the jumping choya that's what it does they jump i just pulled it up here online they jump from a parent plant onto the ground or onto the skin or a clothing of a passerby they literally jump on you so you got to stay the course and in order to stay the course you better be on course first and so i start off dead sprint get on the bike victor's holding it for me and we just fly into that first lap and pretty fun. I came through that first lap in under an hour. Everything's looking pretty good. And I hand off my little baton to Victor, who is riding second. Victor takes off. He does a screaming fast lap. He hands it to Rob. Rob takes off. Same thing. Hands it off to Steve. Steve takes off. Same thing. Hands it back to me. It's still daylight. I go blast another like, you know, one hour or one hour, one minute lap. So we're flying, right? And we're at the very top of that leaderboard and, and and we're cruising. Then we get into the nighttime and that's where the drama really started to settle in for us. So yeah, that's so, when you saw things get weird. Yeah, it, and it's hilarious, guys. Like I got no problem taking the curtain back. Justin just asked if we already did this this recap. And I think we talked about some of this, but I know we didn't cover like the deciding, like the uh, the the crux move for where you guys landed. I know we did not get over this we didn't cover this um because this is a great story involving like ex-wives and girlfriends and you know how does that tie into a bike race (laughs) (laughs) so so okay so our team everybody in their in our team i'm the youngest guy on our team rest guys in in their 40s um and you know some of them have a past and, uh, you know, I love Rob. Rob is a super fast dude. He kicked my, he beat me at Leadville by nine minutes. So I know he's a monster on the bike. Rob's divorced with a couple of kids. Okay. And so when we're planning out this whole deal and we're, we're talking about how we're going to get to Tucson and get all of our gear, because we have to bring a camper too. So we got Victor's camper and we got, you know, five bikes and we got grills and food and cool. Like it's crazy, right? The amount of shit you got to take. So 
Rob goes, you know, at first they said, hey, why don't we take your truck, meaning my truck? And um, <laughs> I'm just, I don't I'm, know. I, yeah, I'm <laughs> new truck. Yeah, nah, <laughs> brand new, brand new truck. Right. I'm like, yeah. And Rob goes, you know what I can do? I'll just swap cars with my ex-wife. Like they get along real well, apparently. And uh, he goes, I'll swap cars with her, which is cool for her. She gets a Porsche. He gets a, you know, a 10 year old Yukon. But it was perfect for what we needed. So he swaps cars. So we're in his wife, in his ex-wife's car. All right. There you go. So we're down in Arizona. Rob should be coming into the tent at any point in time. I'm waiting for him. It's it's dark now. And uh, so we're all in lights, using lights. And we're waiting for him to come through. Doing the math, he should be in by 8, 8.30 at the latest. And 8.30 comes and goes. And 9 o'clock comes and goes. And 9.30 comes. And we're kind of like, where in the hell? Like, what has happened here, right? Um I don't think a whole lot of it other than something must have happened. And that's like, that's all, you know, cause he's out in the middle of the desert. So we can't talk to him. Right. Um, as we're starting to get a little alarmed, his girlfriend who came with us, Christine, and she's a stud on the bike too, a uh, strong rider. She comes flying into our tent area. Now to paint the picture here, Christine's not racing on a team. She's just out there to have fun. She's just hanging out. Well, yeah, she's hanging out in 24 hour town is live, dude. So they have a beer garden. That's a 24 hour beer garden, right? Things go off with a DJ playing records like all night long. So let's say she enjoyed it a little bit, right? The environment. So she comes flying in with this crazy story, or at least the way she told it sounded quite crazy. <laughs> she comes flying in and said, Oh my God, you guys. Okay. So here's the deal. This is what happened. Like the Rob is out there and his bike is broken. And we're like, what the shit, right? Like, I think when she ran in, I was reading a book. Victor was changing into comfortable clothes to like lay down. Like our environment was super chill. Very chill. Right? Race mentality. I'm taking some downtime. Totally. <laughs> she, she comes in just tearing back curtains and telling this pretty jarbled story. And so like, hang on, what's going on? And so what she ends up telling us is that Rob has uh, blown his chain up and destroyed his wheel. His bike is incapacitated and he's now running uh, with his bike in his hands, he's running the rest of the course and he's about four and a half miles out. And we're like, how did you get this information? Well, I got it from his ex-wife. <laughs> so as we learn later on, Rob does in fact break his chain. And, uh, you know, every rider carries the stuff they need to fix their stuff. And yet, uh, so Rob, Rob would have done that as well. So we but, didn't really know do how. it in the dark. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no. Well, I think if it was just a chain, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But when he broke right. his chain, he whipped it up into his wheel and destroyed his wheel. Uh, did, ripped you out having, did you start having flashbacks to Breck Epic? Yeah, I'm like, just break your frame. And then you can really just laugh, laugh and quit. Um, so he ends up destroying the wheel. And that was why he couldn't ride his bike. So he's kind of stuck, you know, and he's just running the bike along. And, you know, uh, another rider came by. And she said, hey, do you want to borrow my phone? And he's like, actually, yeah, that would be great. Let me let me borrow your phone. So she stops, which is super cool because I would never do that in a bike race, right? Like you're never going to see me do that. So she stops, <laughs> give, give him, gives him her phone. And so he needs to make the call. Well, Harley, whose phone number do you have memorized? I, I have one phone number memorized and it, it is my wife, but. It is, it that, is your wife. And, and if things it. went a little sideways but down the line and your wife became your ex-wife, whose phone number say that unfortunate thing happened, yeah. which I don't think, whose phone the, number would you still have memorized? 
my my in this bizarre scenario ex-wife's <laughs> <laughs> so rob is stuck on this trail with the phone in his hand and i can imagine what his head is thinking his head's thinking dude i got like two tough decisions here one i keep running this bike broken without my team knowing what's going on two i call my ex-wife and I can imagine he took a second before he decided to make that inevitable call. Um, unfortunately, he had to make that decision four times because the day we were racing was also this holiday Hallmark makes a lot of money on. You know what holiday that was? I I, I didn't think about it until you told the story, but I can't imagine calling my ex-wife on Valentine's Day. Call your from ex-wife a bike race. from a bike race while she takes – her sweet time answering, she doesn't answer until he calls, he battle dials her for the fourth time. So on the fourth call, she answers the phone. What? Right? Or imagine her version of that. Totally appropriate, like, way to answer the phone in the middle of the night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> From so, her ex-husband, like, can't even be mad at the woman. No, not at all. So she was actually, at the time, she was out to dinner with her significant other, oh, celebrating great. Valentine's Day. Perfect. And she answers this battle dial call, right? So he explains this whole situation to her, which she couldn't, I I bet you. Now, I'm not saying this is why they got divorced. I wouldn't say that at all. But like my wife still currently loves me, like wears my ring and doesn't necessarily give a whole lot of shits about my bike race fiascos, right? Like I'm just being honest. Yeah. If she if she were ever my ex-wife, she would never, ever even fake to care about. She would like extra double plus not care. Right. So anyhow, long story long, which is they live, they live down south, dude. People in Highlands Ranch and Castle Rock, they do things a little unique, you know, whatever. So <laughs> they, uh, she sends Christina text, and that's how we get this like half-told, super animated, a little bit twenty-four hour town open bar version of what has happened. So Victor. Being Victor, what a stud. He's also team captain, so it comes to the territory. He has just finished his lap. Well, it was now about an hour ago. And uh, puts his kit back on, jumps on his bike, takes a shortcut road to try to find Rob, jumps on course, ends up tracking him down. Rob still had like two and a half miles left of the course, maybe three. Gives him his bike. Rob comes kicking through the finish line, and now Victor has to uh, run with his broken bike back to our tent. That's what ends up happening. And it created about an hour, about an hour or so delay for us. Right. It pushed us from being in the top five to being um, out of the top ten, yeah. which was and, a real big nail in the coffin at the time. Yeah, and that's why I call it kind of the crux move for all this to go down because, you know, I I was watching the results kind of throughout the evening and, you know, watched you guys slip back and so on and so forth. Um, ultimately you guys really pulled it together and pulled off something I think is pretty impressive. Yeah, we, so, so Rob gets into the tent and he's just exhausted. You know, he's, he's bummed out because he's like, you know, I basically, I, I caused this, you know? And so he feels a little bit of responsibility and, and you can just, you can see it on his face, right? Steve's out racing and I'm up for my next lap next. It's my first night lap. So I'm kind of getting me all geared up and ready to roll. And, and Rob looks at me with, with that face and he's just like, um, dude, should we just, is it like beer 30? Is it just kind of party time? You know? And that's what he says to me. And 
I didn't even hesitate. Like, first off, beer 30 doesn't ever come to me because if it did, I, I'm worried what my life would start to look like as it unraveled one loosely tied thread at a time. So no, we're not going to beer 30 because I wouldn't be able to even partake in that. But what I said to Rob really was, Rob, you're a fantastic writer. Like you're an unbelievable writer and a bad thing happened to you. And, uh, this race is full of a bunch of other fantastic riders that bad stuff can happen to them also. So no, we're staying in it and all we can control is this tiny little thing that we got, which is our effort and in our camaraderie. So we're going to stay in it. Let's keep driving and let's see what shakes out, but let's not, let's not give up ourselves. Let's let the race determine what the race determines. And that was all we really needed to kind of stay in it. And we all just started riding our face off. And, you know, um, I did not, I did not pass with a ton of caution. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I rode pretty unabandoned and I, th- and I think everyone else, um, on our team did as well. And we were able to climb back and we moved from out of the top 10 into the top 10 into ninth and eighth and seventh. And we work way up into sixth and now we're battling. We think we can get to fifth. And actually up until this point, I didn't know the podium was a five team podium, uh, I find out it's a five-team podium. I'm pretty jacked. I'm like, okay, we're in fifth. And then we just have to hold fifth. And that takes us all the way into Sunday now, back to the daylight. And, you know, for those that haven't done a 24-hour race, when you come out at night and you come into day, it's like superhero power. I mean, you can see everything. And uh, and that's what you're able to do. And so we got into our day laps, and we're just humping it. And it was really cool because – you know, those three guys knew each other really well. And I know Victor really well, but that, that little bit of drama just helped really cement the bond between the four of us as we came into the second half of the race, which was really cool. It was super impressive to, to hear kind of how, because again, all I got was results, right? Like I just saw like, Oh, they're in this place. Oh, they're in this place. And, uh, you know, that, that kind of never say die thing, uh, I think was really cool to see you guys land on the podium. Yeah, it was, it was awesome, man. We, so we come around and, and we look like we're, we're, we're going to be in fifth place. Right. And it was getting back and forth where it was going to be tight. Maybe we needed to pin a super fast last lap. And it turned out that we just had to put together a good quality lap. And Steve was our final rider and self-admittedly um, he was our, our slowest rider. And that, that's not saying he's slow. So I just, I, no, I mean, it, it's like, yeah, being the slow guy, but on a really fast team. <laughs> right. Like, so you're, you're not slow. So Steve's fastest lap was his first lap, an hour and 10 minutes. The rest of his laps, we got 117, 117, pretty consistent, 117. Like The rest of his laps were all within 40 seconds of one another. They were like 117 and change. So we come into this yeah. last lap, and he goes – you know, do you, do you want to take the lap? Like, should you take it? And um, for a second, I kind of thought, yeah, I want the glory. I want to do another lap. Sure. But I'm like, no, Steve, like we're a team. Do we ride and die together? We've gotten through this. Go get after it. Now, Steve finished his last lap well before this time, um, because when he got to the very end, it was now past noon. And so they all had to corral up. Steve comes on his last lap, finished at 12.04. So mind you, he got there by noon, but then had to just wait and kind of walk through the the final bit there at 12.04. His lap time was one one thirteen fifty nine. So he made his last lap like his fat. I mean, he probably ran like a one ten lap. Um, 
maybe one ten ten. So he he ran his la- his fastest lap as our last lap, which really like spoke to kind of the tenacity our whole team had as we as we pushed through this thing, which is really cool. That was super cool, man. So congrats on the uh, on the podium spot when it you know seemed pretty uh, unattainable at, at one point. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, fifth out of one hundred and twenty was some real solid. Like I said. Todd Wells team behind us quit and those guys are super fast. So it was, it was, it was cool. It was cool enough that, you know, like a lot of these events that have just such notoriety, uh, I will most definitely do this next year, maybe on a team with you or as a solo or or this four team again, no matter what, I'll go out there and do it again. There's not a lot going on in February and it was too much fun to not be a part of that again in the future. Oh yeah, man. Um, Another like uh, another kind of cool story from that was um, our friend Kirk, who is the demo driver from Ibis Cycles. Um, he did the solo single speed, and I don't remember how many laps he got, but he finished like seventh overall in single speed category. And uh, I just wanted like when I saw that, like I knew he he told me he raced it, and then I saw what his results were, and I was super super impressed. Um, you know, seventh in, you know, top 10, I think in anything is, is, is really good. Um, Oh dude, he he had seventh out of 25 racers and those guys are all super fast. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the single speed crowd better than I do. How many miles, how many laps do you do? How many miles was that? Like you told me what it was and I kind of got a little sick in my mouth. Oh yeah. I mean, he rode, let me do the quick math here. Um, 192 miles dude he did 12 laps <laughs> so um if you look at it he ended up taking it looks like he rode consistent laps like without stopping until uh 11 at night and then it looks like he took about a three hour nap because yeah. he has like a, a 5 45 uh lap in there so he probably took like a three hour nap give or take uh maybe a four hour nap and then he worked his way all the way through to the finish line. So just laid it down. Yeah. 192 miles, dude. Yeah. It's I can't crazy. even. Yeah. No, no, thanks. No, thanks. <laughs> you want, you want to really throw up? Sure. I'll tell you. So, and this is where this was, was really cool. So Josh Tostada, who, like I said, he races for Santa Cruz, Shimano and infinite nutrition. He ended up, this is going to blow your mind. He ended up taking it down. And, you know, I told you as a four-man team, we did 20 laps, which was 320 miles. Josh also did 20 laps, which is 320 miles in 24 hours. Yeah, his, yeah. His, his fastest lap was 57 minutes and 11 seconds. His slowest lap was an hour 19.58. So he only had a 20 minute delta lap over lap for 24 straight hours. That's that's a, with that's no a, with no breaks. There's not one lap in here that's like that. Yeah, he just, like, he just kept going nonstop. Oof. Um, well, fucking kudos to that guy, <laughs> dude. I mean, that's what just pro or not, like that's just monstrous. Yeah, I mean anybody. Um, so then he had True Grit and. I don't know if anybody ever does this, but they have a friend that they call and they call that friend because like they know they'll probably help them make the right 
decision. And I feel like I may have failed you because <laughs> you called me and you're like laying out this whole scenario with Uncle Mental and True Grit and Airfare and all this stuff. And I, I don't think I gave you the answer that you were necessarily looking for when you called me, but it was the answer that you wanted, but you didn't want to admit that you wanted it. Yeah. So, okay. So Uncle Mental, um, Uncle Mental is going to go for the NUE series, the National Ultra Endurance Series. And over the last year, we've talked about these different events. I did True Grit last year, the year before the Tatanka 100. Um, the NUE is notorious for uh, all of their events or people that they allow to be part of their series are all 100-mile races, mostly single track, and they are absolutely brutal. Like the courses are above and beyond. Uh, like a sadist builds the courses, right? Like – you would say this is going to be the one thing I'll do all year because I'm going to recover for like a month afterwards. And that's really how these NUE races are. And my uncle, like, you know, he has such a positive attitude and demeanor, like just such a great disposition, but he must, he must, uh, he must actually hate himself. If I was like, (laughs) really, to be honest, because you you wouldn't you wouldn't do the the thing he set out to do or his intention for 2020 if you didn't hit yourself. He's going to compete on all of the NUE series. He's going to try to win the NUE series, which means you have to do four races, and uh, in those four races you have to you're going to take your 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 best four. Rather, you can do more if you want, but they're going to take your best four and see who's the biggest badass out there yeah who's the baddest and ultra endurance mountain biker that exists exactly so this is what he's gonna do okay so he says to me hey i'm gonna i'm thinking about true grit and just because you know sometimes you're in that conversation when somebody's like hey i'm thinking about doing this oh man let me know it'd be kind of cool maybe i'll meet you out there you say that when they're talking about like playing volleyball at wash park or going (laughs) down to like breckenridge brewery but when somebody's talking about a hundred mile race in the in the utah desert in March, and you flippantly say that, if they pull your card, you're kind of looking at something. And that's where I was at. He goes from thinking about it to, I'm going to do it to, yeah, I'm doing it. I've already booked my plane tickets. This is the day that I get in. And now at this point, I've waffled back and forth. Like, am I, am I not? And I walk into base camp and I sit down in that little chair on your fake lawn. And I look at you and I tell the story. And I'm like, man, I'm just kind of conflicted. And you look at me and you say, I mean, when your uncle wants to meet you out of state and do an epic race, <laughs> how would you ever say no? Oh, well, and, and it's not any uncle. It's the uncle that's responsible for a lot of this even happening, right? Totally. I mean, he's the guy that got me into mountain biking. He's really been the reason that I that this even started for me, right? Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so when I did, when you did put it that way, you go, you mean like your uncle who got you into mountain biking and now who you've traveled like internationally raced with and now he's going to start this big thing and he wants you to go and meet him and do it um i don't know i don't really think you have to think about it much yeah like how do you just say no to that which was it was the answer that you wanted like under the layer of not wanting it yeah it was the answer that my heart for sure wanted uh my pocketbook my schedule (laughs) um my employees the brand new gym my wife (laughs) My puppy, that new puppy, like none of them probably wanted that answer. But right. uh, 
I also didn't ask them. I asked yeah. you. Yeah, so, you, asked, you asked the one person who would probably just go ahead and reinforce that potentially bad decision. Totally. So I end up, okay, I'm going to do it. So I drove to True Grit. Now, when I'm driving out there, I left on a, I left on a Thursday. This is what you do now. This is like, this wasn't that long ago. This is, this is last week. This is not last weekend, but the weekend or like, yeah, last weekend. Shit. Cause we did the, uh, you got back in town and we did the stages training. Yeah. This is last week. So, uh, you know, you know, I, I get in there and, uh, I worked Thursday morning and then drove to Utah. Now at that time, um, Wednesday night is when the NBA had canceled their couple of their games and they said they're going to suspend the, the season. And that's the only news nationally that was really making big, big waves with this COVID-19 stuff. So I get in the car and I start driving about 730 in the morning from E3 because I'd coached them out by camp that morning and start heading out. And like I'm telling you, man, like with every exit sign passed on I-70, the story for this pandemic is growing and growing like so rapidly that by the time I get to Fruta and I'm filling up with gas again in Fruta, this is becoming like a full-blown national issue, right? Right. And I'm driving out to this bike race thinking, like, I'm just going to a bike race, man. And now um, now the NCAA is canceling their tournament and, and all of these things are just starting to fall on a big national scale. And I'll tell you, I wrote up the race report just a couple of nights ago on this event and we'll share those in our show notes. If you guys want to go and see some pictures and, and read the race report for a little bit more in-depth analysis on it. But, uh, I usually listen to a combination of hair bands, um, Eminem and, uh, basically anything that I can sing along to that keeps me moving when you're doing a nine hour drive straight West. Yeah, And this was just such a unique experience because I listened to about six hours of NPR, which (laughs) might have been a little overload, right? Might have been a little, I mean, I knew, I learned more scientists and biologists and social scientists that, I mean, I learned a bunch about viruses and the whole deal, but as I'm listening to everything, it's just getting more and more severe. So in the back of my mind, I'm almost thinking, am I driving all the way to St. George? Utah just for this thing to be canceled and like turn around and drive back because I didn't have the luxury of, of staying. I had to get back for what you briefly mentioned. We were doing a indoor training to become stages cycling certified instructors, which you and I now are um, certified instructors of stages cycling, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of in the back of my mind, but you know, steady goes the idiot and I keep driving. <laughs> so so we get to St. George and uh, head, out, head out the window screaming no right around the whole way. Just the whole, like the whole way, right? I live in, you know, not for nothing. If I decide a mantra, we're going to live that thing out until the very end. So heading straight, keep going, get into St. George. It's, it's raining, right? Like it's, it, it's raining. This coronavirus thing is growing. I get groceries for us and set on our Airbnb. Uncle Mental's no easier. He ends up rolling finally into our Airbnb at about 2 a.m. because this lunatic worked full day, gets a flight to Vegas, rents a car, drives up from Vegas. Like, I mean, we're two idiots. Like, peas in a pod, most definitely. <laughs> I wonder uh, who you learned it from. 
too. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm going to try that one with Abby. She's like, you're going to go do what? Hey, it's genetics. Don't blame me. I can't it's help. just a, you can't it's our family. Genetics. So we end up, uh, you know, catching some Z's and we wake up on Friday morning and the, the rain is torrential. Like it doesn't stop raining. And now the race is at the race is vulnerable to being canceled for this COVID-19 stuff because cities are starting to shut down. Like at this point in time on the news cycle, New York has shut down um, any event with 400 or more people. And this event definitely has more than 400 people. And uh, because they, they do a stage race, a three-day stage race, they do a 100-mile mountain bike race, they do a 50-mile mountain bike race. So there's definitely 400 people in these races, um, not to mention volunteers and spectators and vendors and all this stuff. So it's a huge event. And at any point in time, the city can shut this thing down. So we're getting Facebook updates from Simran, who's the race director for True Grit, saying, like, you know, work with local authorities, everything's still a go. Meanwhile, she's also having to communicate to us about the weather because this much rain is not what the desert is built for. Like the desert gets this many inches of rain in a short amount of time. And I actually looked it up for the race report. Uh, the definition of desert is where uh, evaporation is greater than precipitation. Like that makes is sense. the definition. Yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense. Well, for three days, it was a wild inverse of that. And it's just nuking rain with nowhere for it to go. So the trails are getting just glopped up and the local bike shop which uh which actually is a sponsor of the event said they're like dude there's no way you guys are doing certain areas of this course because that mud takes like two weeks to dry out like you just you simply won't be able to well true grit by definition should be a sister company to no ride around because they give no f's at all about staying the course I mean, responsibly with like courtesy to the trails and the local trail, like builders and, you know, our safety as racers, but Simran, she doesn't, she's, she's, it's called true grit guys. So the race goes on and it went on. It did, you know, we had an hour delay, I think an hour and a half delay for the start, but she sent us out there, man, hundred mile race after two and a half days of straight rain amidst drama of coronavirus across the country, uh, you know, at the start line, 85 idiots that want to ride a hundred miles in the desert, take off and, and make their way through it, man. So that's awesome. It's it just I mean, amazing. I mean, mixed bag. Awesome. Like you want to, you want to cry, like shed a single tear for the trails, but, um, but at the same time, like, you know, to the ethos of the true grit thing, like get out there and get it done. Right. Yeah. She, she actually sent out, uh, there actually an email just went out today that was talking just about, it was like the, the events and the photos and all that stuff. And she sent out right here and she has this great statement. She goes, if there was ever a year to show what we're all made of, it was 2020 between sudden and urgent reports of the COVID-19 virus, rain, mud, travel restrictions, and people's emotions running high. This was truly a year to remember. And she's absolutely right, man. Like it really was. I mean, it was just, it was, it was awesome. Uh, nice. The fact that it went on was awesome. So anyhow, we get into this race now. I know the race course, right? Like, right, because you did this one before. Yeah, if if you remember me talking about it last year, this race ate my soul last year. Like it, it gobbled me up. And the the actually the only reason I finished the event last year was because I was wearing a jersey that said "No Ride Around." <laughs> you know, in the in the community that we we fostered here, like that was the only reason that I stayed in. I had no desire to keep going last year because 
the race was not anything that I expected. Um, what I expected was like, you know, like, like a Leadville race or, or, or like a Colorado XC race, right? Um, the trails out there just, just swallow you up, man. And so I knew what to expect this year. And actually Harley as penance, I, I made myself work a little bit harder this year. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So l- last year I went there on a, Oh, this is the race where this is the first time you stopped and peed. This is the first time I stopped and peed last year. Last yeah. year. Last. Yeah. I got a funny thing about that, but yeah, yeah I've always <laughs> talked about this podcast. Right? When you're racing, you don't stop to pee because it's seconds and you can't, you can't waste those seconds. So pee on, pee on, pee on. Um, yeah. <laughs> when I say on, I mean on yourself, on, on your shoe, on your train, in your bib, on your, your seat, whatever. And then just ask Mo to clean your bike when you get home. Um, <laughs> so last year I was on the Orbea Oweath for the very first time. Remember Orbea didn't get the bikes to, they, they weren't able to fulfill our, our bikes in time. And so we, you got me like kind of like a backup Oweath, which was the wrong size, but we made it work. And well, this year, instead of being able to take gears, instead of being able to take our Norco race bike, uh, I said, you know what? You had such a bad attitude last year that your penalty is that this year you get to do this rocky, gnarly, super challenging, 10,000-foot elevation gain, 100-mile race on your single speed because you were a jerk last year. So that's what I took out was the single speed. Love it. I mean, that that is the grittiest of the true grit after yeah. getting – getting wrecked by a, a race from the year before. I mean, you want to find out if your off-season training works or not, do a 100-mile <laughs> race on a single speed in the middle of March, yeah. and you're going to find out real quick. So <laughs> real fast. I, I take the single speed out, and um, fortunately, because it was probably the smartest decision I made up until this point with True Grit, the mud, dude, was like – I tried to explain it to somebody, and I was like, guys, I've never been in an Indiana Jones movie – but you've always seen it and wondered what that quicksand would be like. I know Found exactly it. what that quicksand is like. <laughs> we come hightailing it through the course. And uh, as a single speeder, you know, we don't have as big of a, f- a field. So I kind of was able to see, okay, who are the single speed riders? You know, who's there are like, you know, seven or so of them. Who's going to be the single speed riders that I need to hunt down and beat. And um, we take off and I pass the, the, group of them in, in the last guy. So I knew I was in first place and I'm like, just hold first place. We get to the first section of mud and all of these guys on geared bikes are just off to the side of the trail, just wound up, bound up and their bikes aren't going anywhere. And I kind of chuckles. I'm like, watch out guys, singles people and just plow through this mud. We go and we're riding. It, I'm up as top three or four riders I'm at the top with. And, um, we get to this section of mud Harley that was Indiana Jones. You, I thought I'd ride through it cause I'd, ridden through the previous mud. I'm like, yeah, single speed. Ah, I get about eight feet and my bike just stops. And now it went from <laughs> weighing 25 pounds to weighing like 55 pounds in a matter of feet. And I've gobbled up so much mud. And so I get off to walk and I, I step in it. And as I go to step a second time in it, and then a third, my mud is like gathering more mud. So by the time I have taken five or eight steps, I've got cement blocks on my feet. Wow. And it is like, I mean, you're, you're kind of walking through it thinking, I know I'm going to get to the other side of this mud patch, but then what, like, what do I, th- this is, I, I can't move. It was crazy. So we get across and, um, I'm up there with Taylor Sheldon. He's a pro racer on Tokyo Joe's, um, Josh Tostada actually, who, who won 24 hours old Pueblo. Him and I are, are racing together. 
at this point of the race and, and we're walking our bikes through this mud together and just like, this is crazy, right? Um, Stefano Barbary, who's a pro rider for Orbea, actually out of California. So we're all, we're, it's the three of us in this mud together. And it's just comical almost because of how impossible it is to get through there. And we did what, what riders do. I mean, we did what you would do and what the rest of our no rider on team would do. And that's, we got to the other side of the mud and, and we did the best to kick and scrape and pick the mud off of our, of our shoes and out of our pedals and off of our tires. And, and you get on the bike and you just figure it out. And that's just what go. we did. You just go. You just you go. And that's what we did, man. We went, we just went, we rode and, and carried on. And that was kind of the, the way the race went, you got to sections of mud that were crazy and you just plow through it and your bike's socked up again and you scrape it off and you just go. And, um, it was kind of an equalizer really, because it, it made us be the true grit riders that, that we knew to be. So, you know, I come cruising through, I'm doing pretty well. I'm feeling good. Um, I actually got to that point last, last year where I got off the bike and peed, you know, that was like kind of my quit point last year where right. I resolved that I wasn't going to win the race. Um, I hadn't, hadn't told you this. Um, I stopped there and I peed this yeah. year. I stopped there and I peed because I thought it was like, Hey, this is, I, I wanted to do everything differently in the race, but the same, like I wanted to go and do the event, but I wanted to do it with a smile. And that's why I didn't do last year. Last year I had such a sourpuss attitude. Um, I wanted to do it with a smile. So I got off at that same spot and I actually smiled as I peed like a big giant arc in the, no one was around me. So I, <laughs> I leaned back and I really had fun with the squirt gun, you know, <laughs> did like the, what's that? The Calvin and Hobbes sticker. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> and you know what I was peeing? I wasn't peeing on like a Ford logo. I was peeing on like myself from the year before. Like your shitty attitude from the year before. Yeah, man. So I peed there and get back into it. And, um, you know, there's sometimes you gotta be smart. There was a point for the next section. It's called, um, the Stucky climb. And uh, you're you're going up there, and there's these short little super intense hills. And now everything's the sun's come out now, and it's starting to dry up, like myself and my bike and all that. And I start to get just this cranky, whiny, groaning, nasty noise coming from my chain. And I go, "Oh, dude, you are like one hard pedal stroke away from pulling a rob. Like you're gonna break this chain." Right, things are and gonna so, start breaking soon. Oh, dude, there were several times of these little hills where once I got to like I knew I was putting just enough watts into the pedals, I would jump off and just run the hill with the bike just to save the chain. And right, uh, just as a like a precautionary measure. Yeah, I did that a handful of times before I got to. Uh, there was this random dude at the top of like the steepest hill in this section, and he was up there, and he had just a, a bit of aid sa station stuff. And one of them was a big can of chain lube. And I just went like 1985 permed hair, Paul Mitchell hairspray on my chain and just laid the trigger down on that thing. It nice, just sucked nice. up a third of his can of, of chain that guy's lube. all like, I mean, that's great, dude. But like, there's other people. Yeah, I'm sure. You, <laughs> uh, I wasn't thinking about that. You know how like, uh, like what chain lube do you use? Uh, currently using the muck off stuff. You're using the muck off stuff, right? I'm using muck off. And if I'm on a on a ride, like a normal ride, and and I don't have chain lube, and I turn to my buddy, I'm like, hey, buddy, you got some chain lube? And he's, he has, like, white lightning or something. I'm like, ah, you know what? I'm good. I'll just go <laughs> oh, with what I got. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, I, I use this. At this point in time, I would have sprayed absolutely anything. As a matter of fact, Uncle Mental in the same spot with the same issue, the same whiny chain on his geared bike, um, we were talking about later on, the guy didn't have 
any more chain lube left. Go figure. Uh, Derek leaned down. took it all. Yeah, (laughs) I realize this now, Harley. Thank you. Um, (laughs) No, I leaned down, or uh, Derek leaned down. You know what he did? Um, What do you think he used? Because his chain was like, you know, we all had to put something on it. There's no chain lube. What did Derek use? What's your guess? Like his, like calorie drink, like his water bottle. Like I don't know. Yeah, you think maybe he squirted water bottle on it. I even went further. I was like, I don't know, Derek. Did you like? Now this is gross, but did you like pull some yeah. chamois, chamois cream out of like your? Oh, but no, I know it's nasty, right? And he goes, no. He goes, actually, that would have been probably kind of smart. He goes, um, my chapstick. So nice. he leans down and he just <laughs> grinds his chapstick into the chain. In a million he's, years, I wouldn't have guessed it. No, he said it worked out perfectly. Uh, so anyway, I get through there. And, uh, I knew I had a good lead. Um, I had asked like the aides, uh, actually a couple of the 50-mile people, they started a handful of minutes behind us. They were just doing the 50, um, had passed us. And so when I when they when they done it, like they're, they're, you know, the guys that got first, second, and third in that division – I'd ask him, like, hey, have you seen another single speed guy? And they're like, uh, yeah, dude, he's like, he's like way behind you. So I knew I had a good, healthy lead. And I also knew I had a second lap. So I didn't back off the pace, but I just, you know, I made sure I was eating food and I was I was prepping to know I have another 50 miles. And actually, when I came around for my second lap, I felt unlike last year when at that point I would have wanted, you know, like a Hills Have Eyes character to jump out of a rock and just eat my face. So that I didn't have to ride anymore this year. I was like, man, I feel like let's go get it. And so I go up to the fire road where the turnaround point is for the second lap. And I actually got waved to go back to the start. I'm, I'm like kind of confused. I'm all jacked up. I just drank like a half a bottle of spark. I was like getting kind of amped up. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm a hundred miler. And he goes, no, no, dude, the race is cut. We're sending everybody back. You're done. I'm like, what? And so I turn and put my head down and actually I PR'd that last section on the single speed <laughs> just hammered the road back to town um and just laid it in and came in got first place in the single speed open category and actually got um in the overall so out of everybody you know single speed or not i ended up in what would have been seventh place overall uh awesome. only by only by 30 seconds if i was i was like right in there um i would have been like I think even sixth had I known we were like competing for that. Um, So yeah, we were, I was right. And so I ended up, you know, not for nothing. I came in front of like a couple of those pros that I had mentioned before and uh, on the single speed. So um, all in all, man, I had like the biggest smile throughout the event, but even bigger at the end when I got to lift this gargantuan trophy they make out of like a big chunk of rock and, Nice. some wrought iron statue so um was really cool got to get first as i as i went went down there wanting to do um and then and this actually made me even more proud uh, i i get done and i'm at the finish line i'm waiting for Derek, and there's all these food trucks you know they do a really good job because there's like a live band playing uh out in this park and there's these food trucks and you got tickets free tickets to get a bunch of food and they have a beer garden and all the stuff and um i so badly want food but I want to also, I don't want to miss Derek coming through the finish line. And I'm really glad I did it because while he came in a little, you know, a little ways behind me, uh, he came in front of a lot of other people and Derek got fifth place in the men's masters and actually got to stand on a podium as well. So right, we both, so you're, that's a podium spot, right? 
Yeah, we both podium, man. It's a five-person podium. Super sick. So, Super sick. Yeah. Well, congrats to you both. Um, you know, the funny thing is, and I just realized this after hearing two race recaps in a row, is you still talk about pros as like a different group of people than yourself. <laughs> I, I do. I, I, you know, I, I even, just noticed it. I just noticed it. I know you, you say that. And uh, you know, it's funny <laughs> you say that because it was, it was two nights ago. I wrote the race report and I did the same thing there as well. And I actually went back and I deleted that because I was like, you know, it kind of accept what you've accomplished to myself. Right. Like, you know, be humble, but also like, you know, you're part of this now, you know? Um, All right. Well, and the funny thing is, and, and I don't say this in like a negative way, but like you tend to be the guy that's like not afraid to be proud of his accomplishments. No, I know. Except uh, for in this one bizarre thing where you're like, you identify these, this group of pros, even though you're also a pro, like you have the card. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know. I, I think, you know, what I think it is, is because, um, I walk into these events and um, I know my story, right? Like I know my whole story and I know, actually, I just told a story to one of our um, fellow writers, I think yesterday or two days ago, uh, there was a spot on Green Mountain, which is a trail network here in Denver for those of you that are out of state listeners. And it's super basic trail, like just really flat out green trail, right? And when I bought my my first bike, here in Denver is off Craigslist and is, you know, whatever. And, uh, I went out there with a guy who at the time was in my eyes, an amazing rider. And he still is guys. Awesome. His guy's name's Andy. And, um, I crashed on green mountain in that spot. And for the next like seven or eight rides, um, that year, I, I freaking crashed in that same spot and it's not a hard spot, but yeah. I, you know, you go in there it's fast, in you, don't have, in you don't have good body position, you don't break, well, whatever. But like this spot ate me for lunch and I crashed there. And, and this is what's – that was back in 2000 and um, like 2008, I think, uh, maybe 2009. So we're 11 years away from that. And I still, every time I go by that spot, I still remember that's the spot that ate you for lunch. And I think that's what happens when I go into these events is – yeah, I may have this card that says, dude, you, you're pretty legit, but I know that whole story. I know that kid that crashed right. in that same spot. And it's it like, I don't think it holds me back because it fuels no. me when no, I ride. No, certainly not. But, I mean, your performances definitely show that it, it does not hold you back. It's but it's there. Talking to you, like when you talk about this stuff, you're, you're always like, well, you know, there's all these pros there and, and – you know, like it, it's just, it, it, I just noticed it after, you know, however long of, of you no, know, I, you it's, having your, your pro status and, and that sort of thing. It's funny you say it though. Cause I got caught again. Like I said, I caught it when I was typing that I, I catch myself doing that. Um, it's just because there are a lot of unbelievable freaking racers no, out and, there. And the, yeah, I mean, it, it's the talent pool in Colorado is deep. The talent pool that shows up to these races is deep, but um, yeah, just noticed it. I don't know. That's kind of, yeah, kind of, kind of caught my attention. So true grit 100 in the books, 24 hours of Pueblo in the books. Now let's get on to something that I think we're both more excited about in a way because it was ours. Totally more excited about it. <laughs> um, so last episode we had, uh, Josh, Kra- is it Kravitz? Is that his yeah. last name? Um, 
who is the race director for Old Man Winter, come on. Uh, and I thought, again, I can't thank Josh enough um, for taking the time to really address the audience of the, the people who, who signed up for that race. Um, and the, the onus or, or kind of what got things going uh, for him to even be on the show is that Justin and I came up with uh, uh, essentially an old man winter redo. Um, and we called it Aged Fellow Winter. We sure uh, did. Not, not, not the most uh, creative, but whatever. Um, and uh, as we got close, like, you, you really, like, grabbed the bull by the horns and did a lot. Um, and so I got to give a, a big thanks and a big uh, kudos and a, a ton of credit to you for, like, really making that thing happen. Um, and the whole time, you know, I'm in some ways I'm such a rule follower and I'm like, I'm the guy that's like, I don't know, do we need permits? Do we, can we do this? Can we do that? And you're just like, I'm just doing it. Like, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks for the kudos. I appreciate that. And it was, it was more because, um, you know, what I have this, like this mantra and I think that's why I know right around also is fueled from, but like be right or be wrong, just be fast. Like just yeah. do things because you can always pivot. And that's what we did when we committed to doing this. And, uh, you know, and then we, we got a lot of positivity. We got a couple of people like questioning our motives and that got Josh on the show and we stayed the course and we, you know, we didn't pivot, but we said, Hey, we support him. And we did a good job. I think at the event before we started at our, at our racer meeting, pre-race meeting, really giving him credit and giving credit to the event and even admitting like, Hey, we're going to sign up for next year's event as well. Like yeah. we're, we're yeah. all the way for it. Um, and so, yeah, but no, man, here's the thing. If we're going to put our name on something, let's do it legit. And I think we did it legit. We did. And fun. I definitely had to talk to somebody from Denver water for a little while. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> but he was cool. Uh, his name was Ben on the off chance that Ben or somebody that knows Ben hears about this. He was super mellow and super cool and very understanding and, um, appreciative for how we did our, our whole deal. So, um, you know, along the way, everybody, even the even some of the naysayers, I think ultimately were just kind of cool about everything. Yeah, you know, we had so so we had uh, we we put this on Facebook, and we had a ton of people um, kind of reach out and say, "Dude, we're we're in on this," and we had forty five people show up at Nixon's Coffee House, dude. Yeah, that's what we ended up with, and the it turnout was turnout was impressive. It was impressive. And um, anyhow, we we did, we did, we went through kind of like what people should expect beforehand. You know, I learned some lessons. You learned some lessons on the ways we're going to even have this more optimized, which we've already done for the next events. But, you know, we had, we had race sign, we had trail signage up for the routes and whatnot. And we just wanted to make sure everybody was on the same page. And that was a lot of Harley's influence saying like, hey, let's make sure that we know that, you know, it's not just about us. And so, I think our racers just were respectful, even though we wrote, like, I've never ridden the gravel alongside the South Platte Trail that hard. I mean, we had a pace line in my group. We had a pace line of six riders well over, like, 23 miles an hour just humping that gravel. Yeah, yeah. It was, but, um, yeah, I think, you know, if you're on a closed race course, it's a, it's a race course. People are there to race. So, like, if you don't like so how somebody passed or, or whatever the case is, I'm sorry, but pound sand, like it's a race. Like I, right. if, if I can beat you, I'm beating you. And that's just how it's going to happen. And I'll ride the shitty line to do it. Um, but whatever, that's a race course. This was, 
we presented it as you could race it if you wanted to race it. And if you didn't want to race it, you could just ride it and have a good day. Um, and we had plenty, we had plenty of people do that. Right? Yeah, my wife included. Yeah. I mean, even I did it. I mean, I, I went out to challenge myself, but um, I didn't really, you know, so we did set out some rules that if you were racing it, you did have to do all 65 miles. Um, you had to ride all of the gravel sections and you had to do um, the hike a bike up to Lenny's Rest, which is a kind of an iconic spot on the Colorado Trail. Um, but it wasn't a ra- it wasn't a closed race course. And so the thing that was the most important to me to get across to the people that were racing it, um, and we did have some talent show up. I mean, we had some some kind of serious sponsored athletes and fast guys show up. Um, was that our race or our event wasn't more important than somebody's ride that day? So, um, to just be courteous to that. Yeah, and, and even you know. Uh, you and I were kind of texting back and forth today talking about racing. And I'm like, I race every time I ride. Just mm-hmm. not everybody knows it. Um, mm-hmm. But you can do that courteous. And, and we did. It was it was pretty cool. Uh, we had a couple of we had a couple of follow the shepherd moments where we would go through intersections. And it was clear. But just to make sure I would I was like towards the front. I was peeling off to kind of yeah. block traffic. And then like we, half the race follows me. <laughs> to be clear, I don't really give a shit about upsetting motorists. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> Unless I'm a motorist and a cyclist is being an idiot, in which case I get enraged. Which is very, it's just it's a perfect it's a double, double standard. standard. Double yeah. standard. Yeah. Um, um, so anyway, yeah, we hit it. We had some we had some quality people show up. We had people do the full course and kind of race. We had other people do the ride and and you know, dude, it was to know that everyone was out there. Didn't you have did you like just light up when you saw our logo on those arrowed signs? throughout the whole day because we had we had th- yep. we had signs through chatfield park and when i was setting them out the night before uh, a park ranger had called me and said uh you know your number's on the back of this race signs and you know it's not a sanctioned event no one's clarified it with me and we got to take them down and i'm like man i literally just i just finished putting them up and then when we actually got to race day um and we're out there all the signs were back um so the park removed them all but then you know i had a really good conversation with the lady out there she's she was awesome park ranger and she must have gone out and put them all back up just for our event which i thought was so i didn't even i didn't even think about this until just now but like she remembered where they were supposed to go (laughs) right (laughs) like that's kind of cool um but so to recap um in case anybody missed the episode where we did talk about the course the course was 65 miles it climbed about 3,000 feet um and it was from in town here in denver at one of our sponsors location nixon's coffee house um in the wash park ish neighborhood uh and then it hit some bike paths went out through the chatfield reservoir is it is it a state park i don't know yeah it's a state Uh, park so we went through Chatfield State Park, cut out the end, and ended up on Waterton Canyon, which is six miles of gravel up to the beginning of the Colorado Trail. And then another five miles up to Lenny's Rest. Yep. Ish. Six miles from Waterton. Yep. Waterton Canyon Road, six miles, and then and then just the most arduous two-mile hike to the top of Lenny's Rest. 
Well, and so that was in there in the spirit of Old Man Winter because Old Man Winter has a section called Rowena Pass. And I think the majority of the years that Old Man Winter has been able to run, it's been a, a mandatory hike a bike. Um, the year that we were able to do it in 2018, 2018, 2019, um, it was an hour long, knee deep, shin deep, snow covered hike a bike. Uh, up to the top of this pass and so to really really bring home the spirit of it being a redo for the potential people that had done or had wanted to do old man winter justin the sadist that he is went ahead and (laughs) threw in a a hike a bike up to lenny's rest um which unfortunately probably ended up in mostly a hike a bike back down too well it so it, it was so um when I got to Waterton Canyon, I, I linked up with two other riders actually before that in um, leaving Chatfield State Park. There were two other riders. Now, I didn't think I, I figured I was somewhere in the top part of all of the riders, but not by no means at the front. And we're going to Waterton Canyon and it's the fastest I've ever ridden Waterton Canyon. Like these guys, I was just hanging onto their rear wheel Man, they were hammers. And uh, I said I made a comment. I was like, hey, how far ahead do you think the the next group is? And they're like, dude, there is no next group. Like, oh, what are the this group? This is the group. And I now I was like, oh shit, that means like I'm third. You know, uh, wow, okay. So these two guys had known each other for the last like nine years. They met uh, at a underground. There was like this underground race series in L.A. when they both lived out there, and they were both sponsored cyclists uh, in the road scene and crits and all that. Um, the one guy races the Red Bull fixed fixed gear series oh, or single yeah, speed yeah. series. Mm-hmm. So, um, strong, the other one's a, a sponsored time trial rider. And, um, so they knew each other and I could see a couple of times they like look back and they're doing that, like, let's drop this dude moment. And so I'm not going to admit to them, but dude, I was in my throat, just hanging on to the back of their wheels to try to stay with them through Waterton. We get to the very top and the time trial guy wasn't going to do the, do the snow and ice bit. Uh, but the other guy was. And so he gets up there a little bit before me and, I kind of chase him down as we get to Lenny's rest to the point that I'm, I'm right behind him, um, hiking right behind him on his heels. And I go, Oh dude, I just got to, you know, sorry about that. And I ran right by him and got to Lenny's rest first, just to be like, ha, I got here. Gotcha. First, you know? gotcha. <laughs> so I'm like, Hey dude, let's take a selfie. So like we take a selfie. Um, and his guy's name's uh, Scott. He's a cool dude. So we take a selfie and as soon as I get done taking the selfie, I think we're going to have this like, all right, man, let's make our way back down. Ha ha ha. I take the selfie. I can't get the phone back in my pocket. He just takes off. So he you can tell did that, you like, dirty a little bit. Well, I did him dirty too on the way up. I mean, he was ahead of me the whole time. I did bridge when I was hiking. I could, I was hiking quicker than he was. Then I didn't run by him, but dude, he, he just bolts. And I'm like, what the shit? So <laughs> I try to ride the down Harley. Cause I want to catch this dude. Right. And I'm like, I got downhill skills. Let's, let's get after this, man. I ate shit so hard on the ice man like not only did i eat shit i ate shit and fell and i fell off the trail and it's pretty steep you know steep side of the trail there and i start sliding down the hillside and it's covered in ice so i'm not stopping and i'm like this is gonna be real bad dude it it so it beat me up and it hurt bad bad before it gets worse before it gets better (laughs) big time it's like yeah i was trying to find a rock that i could smash into to stop you know what i mean one of those moments (laughs) So like, that's how bad life is when you're like, I'm trying to find a rock to bash my body into. Um, 
anyhow, I, I get back to the trail and I pick my bike back up. Um, I lost a water bottle in that little debacle and I don't know where there's no finding it. And so I kind of give up on riding because I got now I can down like a, a whooped puppy dog. You know what I mean? <laughs> like right. I'm kind of scared of the ice. So I just hooked the bike under my arm and I just ran the hole down and gingerly walked on my ice skates in times when I had to. Uh, but it took, it took quite a freaking long time yeah, to yeah. get all the way down there. But nice. uh, that's where I, that's where I lost him, and I, I was never able to catch him again. But um, I tried my damnedest when we got back to pedaling. Nice, yeah. And I, I mean, I definitely took uh, a little bit different approach. I, I picked up, you know, one of the things that we spoke about um, after a, a little pre-ride that we had did as a group. Uh, you had given me some may call it a criticism. I would say constructive, <laughs> constructive. Uh, little constructive criticism um or critique we call Um, that coaching that's coaching yeah sure (laughs) we'll call call it that we'll call it that um but uh when we went out for that ride um you're like you know dude you always like you always hold back you always like you don't ever just hang it all out there to see kind of what happens and so i went ahead and did that um at you not so much when we were in town but definitely when we were um, out on the plat. And so I just grabbed, I got on a wheel that I, or a group of wheels that I probably shouldn't have gotten on. Um, and I tasted it for sure. I mean, it was, it was one hell of an effort and I won't say that I, I blew up by any stretch. Um, but when we hit that first real climb out at Chatfield, um, I definitely, definitely popped just a little bit. Like, I was a little bit too uh, generous with my my speed at the beginning, um, but it was cool. I mean, I hung on, and it was kind of funny too. So I, I linked in with this group. Um, Case was in it. Um, Daryl, who was on our last episode, was in it. And I don't ever want to hear Daryl ever say, "I don't know if I can ride with you guys." That dude is a fucking hammer. Like. He wanted to act like he was going to have a hard time, but he uh, he definitely showed us how to how to lead out a pace line. And uh, I think some of my day came apart just a little bit. Um, we had a great pace line, and we were trucking along in the low twenties. And there was this kid, and the kid was fast, but in the pace line, I got stuck behind him. And so I kind of got to do like 70% of my turn and then a hundred percent of my turn, like back to back. And, uh, it definitely wrecked me for when we kind of started hitting some elevation. Yeah. You, uh, I think what you had said to me was that you, you latched onto a group you probably shouldn't have. And then you got behind a pipsqueak that you probably shouldn't have. Yeah. I mean, so, riding, you know, 180, 185-pound dude riding behind a 90-pound kid. It's right. just not, gonna, not really going to do a lot when it comes to the whole pace line thing. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it was still fun. Um, after that, everything for me kind of strung out. And I ended up riding most of the day with uh, our friends Case and Ben. Um, and just had a ton of fun. I, for the second half, I definitely took the more casual approach. Um, 
we had the guys at the bikery at the brewery, which is a bike shop down at, uh, they're just on the South Platte trail behind the Breckenridge Brewing Company down in Littleton. And they offered to step in as a, and originally they offered beer and I was like, well, that's great, but we have some people who don't drink and also it's a bike race. Uh, can you also do some water? And <laughs> so they just decided to step out, step up as an out, uh, either an out and or a back aid station. And I didn't stop on the way out, but on the way back stopped and said hi and shook hands and, and met all those guys. And, uh, and then just had a little bit more of a casual, not casual cause we still worked, but um, definitely treated it more as a, a ride than a race at a certain point for me. Yeah. You know, I don't even know where I was going to ask you, like, where is that, uh, bikery at the brewery? Um, I've, I've ridden by there every time and that's actually the shop that Rob and Victor and those guys are affiliated with and Steve, yeah, they do, uh, they do the race go team. Yeah. I didn't even know like how, how close that I, I, I need to go find that place. Now that, now, that I, now that I know where it is, you can see it from the bike path. That's cool. Uh, and they have, it's, it's a cool little, it's a tiny little shop. Um, like I think all good shops are like, I think some of the best shops are the small shops. Um, and, uh, they have like a little tiny pump track right in front of their store. Um, just a handful of guys that are super passionate about bikes, just like my store. Um, and, uh, yeah, can't thank them enough. You know, I, I definitely stopped and, had a quick beer and hung out with a, a handful of riders from our event and then cruised on back and then ate my face off at Nixon's. Yeah, dude, we had, so just to paint the picture guys, the people started like, we started rolling back into Nixon's, which was cool. Uh, and everyone's like celebrating. It was super fun. Cause we finished with a little lap at Ruby Hill. And so I think a lot of people were having fun when we got back and then we're sitting there and we'd all ordered coffee from Nixon's or Sam, you and I got, um, breakfast sandwiches because they're the best had a sandwich and uh and then the dude from duffy roll bakery just rolls on by nonchalantly drops a whole bag of duffy rolls off for everybody which is just it was like one of those moments where everything on that day it was basically the opposite of my ride today it was like those moments where everything goes correct and right and like the sun is just just wildly shining on you and yeah that's what that whole event was and so much so that uh, as people finished the event, they said, when's the next one? And I think that's what we're going to leverage, right? I mean, that's, that's the next thing for us. Yeah. So the event was great. All the riders that showed up were, uh, it was just, I mean, there was a ton of people we had never met and they were all just there to have fun. And the, the spectrum of the kind of bikes that we saw, I mean, okay, great. Everybody showed up on gravel bikes. There's a ton of people riding, you know, all the things you would expect from, you know, Santa Cruz's to, to all cities to specialize diverge. There was one maniac who ended up being fast as shit riding a full knobby single speed mountain bike. Oh yeah. Uh, you knew who that was, right? No. That's Rob. Oh, was that Rob? Like Did you know that, did you see what he had on his down tube? No. He had two scuba diving weights strapped to his down tube. Why? Just resistance training? He says he makes his bike 30 pounds for when he trains. So when he goes and races, because he races it at 19 pounds. Yeah. So he straps two five-pound uh, scuba diving weights onto the freaking deal. <laughs> that dude is not right in the head. But, like, I, like, so much respect for that guy. Here we all are on, you know, lightweight gravel bikes with 
all the gears and he rolls in on a, a nice, I was super nice single speed mountain bike, but a single speed baggies. Like he's like, whatever, I just want to pedal. And then absolutely smashed. Um, your neighbor, Ben rolls in and for two days, I've been talking him out of trying to ride. He's got this like towny fixed gear, single speed thing. And I'm like, dude, don't like, I, I found a bike. You would, you had reached out to me. You're like, Hey, do you have a bike that my, my neighbor Ben could ride? I'm like, absolutely. Dude, I'll, I'll figure it out. Got him. A, like my business partner, Sam says, yeah, that dude can borrow my 19 pound hardtail gravel bike thing. Um, he rolls in on this silly single speed thing, crushes it. Um, guy showed up on a 140 millimeter travel trail bike, full suspension trail bike. Yeah, for, I saw him on I saw him on the Colorado Trail, and I'm like, oh my god, this guy. Crushed it so, though. I mean, I don't know if this like diminishes my my performance that day, but he wasn't that far behind me. Now, I don't know if you stop for 30 minutes at a brewery and 20 minutes to talk to a park ranger, but all the same, like the guy hammered it out on a 30 pound bike with D, you know, big old gnarly downhill tires on it. Um, so just positivity on top of positivity, super cool people. Everybody had a great time, I think. Yeah, it was awesome. So, uh, to leverage it, uh, basically in this, you know, with COVID right now, Obviously, having a, an event with forty-five people in it is is not going to be on the docket. Super duper, super duper no go. Yeah, definitely not going to happen. So what uh, what Harley and I've done is we've gotten onto Strava and we've built the No Ride Around Race Number Two and No Ride Around. They're actually listed as No Ride Around Rogue Race Series, uh, which we knew as a full series with everything that's canceling and falling off here with local races and national races and all the things in a flux. Um, the one thing that I think we can bring to the community of riders that, that we get to impact is we're going to do some events where you're going to basically log your own time. So uh, more details will come out on that, but we have the events already built in Strava. So if you looked up no ride around rogue race series, you'd find our second and then number three. So number two will be coming out and we'll have some information on our socials about that. Uh, but it'll be one of those deals where it's go out hammer and whoever does it fastest on Strava basically wins. Um, and we'll get unique and we'll get creative. But uh, I think that the success of HFL winner just let us know that we have the opportunity to kind of set the tone and step out with, you know, creativity as I think a lot of other people in the cycling industry are going to do. Um, but let's keep this thing going, dude. That's my plan. Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, I think when after the the last event, we were in the mindset of we'll do more of these and it'll follow the same formula. Everybody meet up somewhere, and there'll be a handful of people that race it and 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 whatnot. Um, over the next two, four, six weeks, um, I think we just publish the publish the route and set a deadline, and you know, just let people go after it and have some fun and. Um, kind of keep everybody in a group, but not in a group. <laughs> yeah, no, I think we, yeah, I think we definitely do that. We, uh, we will make it. So you have to do it on the same day. I think that's important or at least weekend or two day period because the conditions have to be the same. Yeah. So that's one thing that we got to do. And so yeah, well, you um, can't handicap it for, Oh, it was windy that day or whatever. Like it kind of has to be just consistent across the board. 
Yeah. And so we'll make, we'll make some deals with that and we'll get some information out on it. And once we do, I think that we'll, uh, we'll at least have something because right now cyclists are lost, dude. And I know we, this episode's getting long in the two, so we don't want to go deep into kind of where we're all at mentally, but, um, I think this will be a nice respite from kind of the disappointment of the way many people's seasons are going yeah. and we'll get to have some fun. Oh yeah, man. Well, I don't know. It's a, uh, it's a crazy time right now. Um, I'm super thankful for the, uh, the community of people that, you know, we've got a handful of text message chains for Leadville guys and people that are just training and, um, looks like, uh, I'm going to have a, an abundance of free time based on the mayor Hancock's order today. So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just think I'm super, th- you know, through all of this, like I'm super positive about everything. Um, I hope everybody can can have some positivity, and it's scary right now. But you know, I think it's going to be less scary if uh, if we all just try to stay positive and and participate safely in whatever communities you're a part of. Um, and uh, before too long, it'll be warm, and all this will be over in some capacity, and we can ride bikes. Yeah. So you know. Staying up on it, though, man. Again, two good races, two good race recaps, a great race that we built ourselves that we're going to leverage in the next thing. And, you know, steady is the course. What's the name of our podcast called? Right around, baby. You know, that's right, man. We keep moving. So uh, until the next one, guys. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Stay safe. Don't You're not done. So get the fuck out. Don't You're not done.